Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wiley, and you're listening to the Action Addicts Podcast. And today, you're going to be getting into the action with me in a brand new area of cinema for myself. Because we're going to be talking about Indian action film Master. And you're going to go on a journey with me and today's guest, Matthew Essery who you will hear all about once I throw you over to us. But if you don't know him, he's an incredible writer, he's an incredible podcaster, and he's been a great friend of the show. And I think I am lucky enough now to count him amongst one of my friends as well, separate from the show. Now, it's been a while if you're a regular listener. I do apologize for the fact that it's been a while since an episode has gone out. It was never my intention to take what has become essentially a short hiatus The first week was because I was ill, and then I've just had a series of unfortunate events unfold since then, uh, which have culminated in a mixture of illnesses and uh, not being here physically to do anything. So it's, yeah, it it, it was never supposed to be this long, but I'm back. And uh, I'm recording this the same day that this episode is going to go out. The episode will go out on... Monday today that you're listening hopefully maybe I don't know but it will go out on its normal Monday even if it's not the normal time slot which I know it won't because of the fact that unfortunately it's going to take way too long to edit but for those who have been wondering I'm okay nothing serious it's just been one thing after another of different smaller things so enough about that let's get into what everybody wants to listen to so For those who don't know, Master is, as I said, an Indian film, and you're going to learn a lot about Indian film in this podcast because I asked my friend Matt to give me some suggestions for films that would be a good introduction. We're going to recap all of that, but Matt calls himself an Indian film enthusiast, and I'm also going to refrain from calling him an expert, though by comparison he 100% is an expert. I know nothing about these films, this was, as I said, the very first one I've watched, and I have not had the opportunity to watch one since. Uh, Partly because I've been just not with it, and partly because, you know, unless I'm doing an episode on it, I don't have the time. But, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend that you go and watch it before listening to us talk about it, because there are major story spoilers that we're going to talk about, and I think they will be robbed of their emotional impact and their weight if you hear us talk about it before you see it. They might not, everybody's different, but I'm just going to state in the intro, we will be talking in great detail about certain scenes that I think you need to see cold in order for them to be at their most effective. But that's just me, not everybody thinks that way, as I've said previously. 
I'll also state that, uh, for me at least, in the UK, this film was available to watch on Amazon Prime. So if you have that service, you don't even have to pay for it. It's right there, included as part of your subscription. I believe at the time of recording, the same was true of the US Amazon Prime service, but I have no way of knowing if that is still true now, as this was recorded quite some time ago, a lot longer than I had planned before you would hear it, partly because of the break, the illness, and partly because uh, some episodes got moved around. But either way, it is out there, so you can go and watch it, fingers crossed, if you wish, before coming back and listening to this. Other thing is, is that this is a long one. We also, uh, we go off topic, but not in the way that uh, we I've gone on topic before. We are talking about film in general, about Indian film in general, learning about stuff that I didn't know, talking about passions, and then at the end we kind of have a discussion about podcasting itself and about what you guys are listening for, why I'm doing it, and it was just a really nice conversation, and I think there's some great stuff in here that you guys are going to enjoy. So I'm going to throw you over to myself now and uh, let you enjoy past me and Matt having a conversation about a film that I really didn't know what to expect going in, but it's actually become one of my favorite ones that I've watched for the show. I still love it, and I loved listening back to our conversation when I was editing this, because it just reinvigorated my love for this film and my love of watching these types of films, and I can't wait to get back into more conversations for you guys to listen to because genuinely do just love doing this and no amount of illness is going to take that away from me. So, without further ado, here we go. Enjoy and I'll see you in the outro. Thank you very much for that amazing introduction to myself. I'm sure it was also one of the all-time greats that this show has ever done. Today, we're going to be taking a journey down a rabbit hole that I have not yet ever dared enter. I've thought about it a couple of times, but I've never taken the plunge. But that changed, well, yesterday, in fact, when I decided to sit down and watch the film Master. At the recommendation of today's guest, who I'm now going to throw it over to introduce yourself, my friend. Hi, my name is Matthew S. Free. I am on Twitter at Wheels Critic. I have been a film critic and a, a writer about film since 2017. I specialize really in talking about action films. And, and the one thing I love most of all really is foreign action films. I write for Film Combat Syndicate. I've written for Neon Splatter. I've written for Screen Anarchy. I've written for The Action Elite. I wrote for Any Cool News. I've done all kinds of things. Cool. We're happy to have you here. Thank you for coming on. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Um, anyway, yeah. So this was actually one of the several films that you sent me as a great way to introduce someone to the world of Indian films or the South Asian film market. So I was just wondering if you would be so kind as to explain to both me and the audience why you thought this was a great intro. Uh, well, for, let's let's kind of back up a step there. Whenever anyone asks, so how do I get into Indian or South Asian film? And that is a massive question every time. There will always leave anyone who who is a... Uh, and I'm going to go and get that out of the way. I'm not going to call myself an, an, an expert in these movies. I'm not going to use the word expert. I am a Indian film enthusiast. 
because there is way too much to know about these scenes. But anyway, my point was, it's like it's like going up to someone who's never seen a Hollywood film and saying, you know, Scott, recommend me a Hollywood film to learn about Hollywood. Uh, I How would you with, do uh, that? Once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they would they, they would think, wow, there's a lot there's a lot of feet and really gory violence in this. Hollywood's strange. Uh, and I'd say that's no, a pretty accurate description. But uh, but no, seriously. So th- I, I gave you a list of movies of of what I thought were good gateway films into 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 Indian action cinema. That's what we're going to focus on. Is the idea of action films coming out of India and South Asia, and they're very very different than American or Western action films because they've got a concept there they cut that's called it's commonly referred to as masala which refers to the the actual food masala the food style which is a blending of like spices and 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 different uh, peppers and things to create a very unique spicy almost contrasting flavor and masala films and i'm sorry i'm I'm gonna ramble a lot on this there's so much to talk about go for it masala films are often they're they're all they're almost all things all at once. They're action movies, they're dramas, they're comedies, they're, they're tragedies. They they can be horror films too, and and they're almost they're always always in some ways. And this is what trips most most white people up and most 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 Westerners up. They're always almost always musicals <laughs> in some way. Uh, now that's that's to different degrees, but to get back to your point, why did I think Master would be a good film to show you? Because I think Master is a wonderful example of of a more focused Indian film. Is it doesn't have all the weird plot elements that you you sometimes see in these other films. Like it like it, it doesn't have a romance angle. It doesn't have that. It's very much a standard kind of action movie vibe, and it has some of the masala elements, which we'll get into. But it's more focused. It's definitely toned down. But it's also just a real shining example of how good Indian action films can be. And how good the, a particular style of Indian action film that's typically known as hero films. That's H-E-R-O. Bear with me because I've got an accent. I'm from the South in America. So we, we, we talk with thick accents, which I'm sure you're used to. But uh, so hero films. And that's the idea of like, like in America, Captain America is a big deal. Like, you know, Spider-Man is huge. In India, they don't really have, like, costumed heroes. They have righteous everyman characters who, for whatever reason, are just really great at fighting. They're noble. They stick up for the common man. And that is their idea of superheroes. That's, that's like, their, their version of that. So, Master is a, a very focused, a very, a very kind of westernized, take on a masala hero film featuring one of their biggest stars a guy with the moniker of vj because he's like share you know so famous he only has one name but basically because because these are so because this, the genre is so different because it is so it has so many contrasting styles and flavors and it is so big i thought master was focused enough honestly not to scare you off <laughs> and when you introduce a, a, a person who has no f- reference to a foreign film genre or to a foreign film scene to a new scene you don't just throw them into the deep end and say figure it out you know you yeah. don't just throw them in and say swim you kind of ease them in you know you zoom into the, like the shallow end of the pool and master is a nice is a nice wading pool 
into like the larger ocean of Indian action movies. And I'm sorry that was so long-winded. That, that's okay. Um, it's actually a pretty good explanation because uh, I actually have a, a, a kind of reference example for Hong Kong films, which is that I've listened to a few different people talk about Millionaire's Express and the My Lucky Stars trilogy. And so many people struggle with those films, even though they're 100% action classics. But the bit that they can't get past is the comedy and the somewhat dated references. And I think yeah. that if you're someone that knows those films, you you know that's going to be there going in. And that's one yeah. of the things that I enjoyed talking with Andy about in a previous episode where we were talking about writing wrongs is that writing wrongs doesn't really have that comedy element. Not at the, all. Yeah. For the most part, it, it's kind of there a little bit, but it, it's mostly the, not there. So if you were to say to someone, hey, what would you say for Hong Kong film recommendations? You would, would, you would do the same thing. You would cherry pick the films that don't have the slapstick, don't have the old style humor and pick the ones that emphasize the really cool fights, the massive stunts, the flips. Even one of my all-time favorites, Police Story, unfortunately does still have that somewhat dated comedy. And uh, I can see how it would turn some people off. So yeah, if if, if this is the the more focused with the weird stuff kind of pushed out the way, then I'm very interested to see some of the other films because, uh, yeah, this film definitely felt, I think, a blend of everything is a great way of describing it. <laughs> yes, it, but again, it was, it, but again, I, I know it's going to sound w weird, but it's it's still, it's still down, it's, it's one of the more Western style Indian movies I've ever seen. And uh, because it, does, it doesn't have like, it doesn't have a big romance plot. It doesn't have like a lot of goofy comedy. It's very, it's, it's still, it has a little bit of comedy because you have to have some levity in there to, to, to make it palpable. But still, it's still mostly an action film where you have a, a protagonist, an antagonist, and a conflict. And it's very focused in that respect. It's, there's not like weird tangents. Like one thing that happened in Masala films a lot of times is that they'll, they'll do detours down and it'll be a romantic film for 15 minutes while the hero meets his, his love of, his, of, of the story. Or him and his sidekick will have a comedic misadventure where there's a misunderstanding, like a Jackie Chan film, like the, like the scenes of Police Story with like where he's being recorded and he doesn't realize he's being recorded. Yeah. It, it's those moments that are meant to be like little comedic tangents, but where in Police Story it'll be like it'll be like five minutes of the movie. In an Indian film, it may be 20 minutes of the movie. Right. Like, it becomes almost like a little short film that's like it's like a little like tendril drifting off from the main body of the story yeah Does that I'm, make I'm any with, sense? yeah yeah no yeah. I, that makes sense i mean i suspect as well that's because as as we've discussed off air um indian films belong so by <laughs> yes. definition their tangents yes. are probably going to be longer it's it's getting better but that's one thing we have to address that very large elephant in the room uh no pun intended uh but indian films are typically around three hours it's getting better they're getting shorter um now I'm going to speak on why I think that is. I've read a little bit about it. Again, I'm an enthusiast, not an expert, but my understanding is the length of movies and this whole masala concept comes from the idea of when we, in India when you go to the movies, it's considered an event. You take your entire family, you take your children, you take your wife, you take your grandma, your aunts, your uncles. So they want to have something for everyone. And a lot of times you don't get to go see a lot of movies every year. They they don't go see you know. 20 movies a month they may see one or two every six months so they want to get a little bit of something for everyone when they go it's, it's, it's going to be like an event it's almost like a party yeah 
You know, they want everyone to be entertained. Like, oh, it's like a circus. Like, oh, if you don't like the clowns, wait a second, and, and the and the lion tamers will be here in a moment. Oh, you don't like the romance? Well, just wait. The good guy's going to beat up some guys in a second, and dad will be happy. But oh, the romance come back, so mom will be happy in a minute. You know, it kind of it's it wants to make everyone happy. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 makes sense. I mean, um, it, it's interesting because there was a point in the film where I thought the romance story was going to come because yeah. they. They even have like a whole song about the fact that uh, Charu suddenly realizes that she has kind of got feelings for JD, uh, but they they don't go down that route. It's like there's kind of an attraction, but it, it never really turns into a full romance story. Yeah. So, in fact, yeah. it actually actually actively undercuts that. That goes back to why it's. I think it's a very kind of kind of clever movie. Like he it actually plays with those like those tropes of Indian films where you think it's going to do something and then it doesn't. Like it refocuses pretty quickly back to the main story and makes it makes like uh the romance angle a running gag like every time the hero one of one, one thing about masala hero movies is the hero will, will always be flawed in some way like in master the main character is an alcoholic yes and in in masala movies they'll have they'll have a, like a like a flashback that will explain his tragic backstory like like his his wife died and now he drinks to kill the pain and he'll eventually overcome that and become even even a more righteous better hero but in this movie, anytime anyone tries to talk to him about his backstory, he quotes other movies that exist in that genre. And if you're an Indian film fan, it's hilarious because you recognize the movies he's quoting. And at one point, he uses an American movie. He references Titanic. Yes. That's a little nod to the Western people, I think, who are watching it. But they do that throughout the movie to kind of subvert the idea that we're going to do like this, this like tragic flashback about why he became a drunk. But we kind of got into the weeds without really talking about what Master is about. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I wasn't gonna take us all the way there. It was more the fact of um, when I was watching the film, I was trying to see whether or not we would have the same sort of archetypes that you would get in a normal Western film. And given how long the film is, I was really beginning to think there wasn't going to be any one that could fit the romantic lead part. And then obviously, eventually, like an hour and a half in, Charu suddenly becomes, oh, there we go. Now there's like a female interest, but yeah, like you say, the film doesn't really go there, but yes, as I will have hopefully already said in the intro, the film is allegedly about an alcoholic professor that goes to, well, they call it a juvenile school in the description, but uh, I might dispute the word school there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's basically a jail. Well, yeah, it is, it, is. it is very much just a jail. And uh, he clashes with a quote-unquote gangster who uses the school children for criminal activities. Now, I must admit that that bit there kind of like... Because I, I, I wasn't entirely sure what sort of film I was watching when I watched the first 10 minutes. Because the first 10 minutes of this film is done entirely from the antagonist point of view. We see his backstory when he's a kid. And I must say, the actor that played him when he's a kid, I kind of just wanted the whole film to be about him rising yeah. up as a as a bad boy because I really enjoyed all of that. Yeah. I actually tweeted out that uh, after you get his initial tragic beginning where, you know, his family is killed, he gets sent off to this juvenile uh, school jail thing and he's abused, essentially. He's beaten every day and he then basically is smart enough and becomes strong enough to get out of it when he starts paying people off. But uh, there's this wonderful shot where he starts using the rest of the boys that are stuck in this jail 
and they all start to obviously listen to him. He's the boss. Mm -hmm. And there's this beautiful shot where he walks in and everybody stands up and they're like showing him this respect and him. My brain immediately went to Sap Ho Long because <laughs> Sarah yeah. Hung's gangster in that is just my one of my favorite roles of his. And I just thought if he's going to be like going along that route, I'm going to really struggle to want to <laughs> want to want to vote for the other guy who's eventually going to be the main character. But um, yeah. they do a really good job of building up uh, Bhavani's character as someone that yeah. you can see why he was so liked and why he was able to get people to do what he wanted. But obviously as he got older, he gets a lot darker. Yeah. And, and I think that's why it had to be kids. Why, why kids had to be kind of like the, like the MacGuffin. They had to be the John Wick's puppy of this movie because, because his, his backstory is so interesting. It is so nuanced. That's hard to hate him until you realize, Oh, he, he, until you realize, Oh, he's hurting children. Yeah. He's, He's he's murdering children. He's using children for his evil means. And the hero is going to be so righteous. You got it because they they could put a lot more shading into the bad guy than they can the hero in this concept. So they had to make the bad guy what he's doing really dastardly to make you okay with with VJ coming in and eventually kicking his butt, you know, uh, and smacking him around because you have to have that righteous fury there. But it's interesting you brought up being confused by the beginning of it because to me that's the glory of the long runtime especially when the movies are more focused because you can, it allows you to really build the characters. You can understand the, you can understand who the characters are. And one thing I really love about master especially is because it's almost like the beginning of the movie is a short film, just about the villain. It yep. literally is like a short film, just about the bad guys rise to power. And it's fascinating. JD's introduction, the hero's introduction, VJ's introduction is almost a short film about his like college professor years with like, like the school elections and the riots and why he's so beloved there. Yeah. And that's a short film introducing him about why he's so righteous and cool and why, why you want to root for him. And then an hour late after those two short films are out of the way, then you actually get to what the movie is and you yep. can only do that with a really long runtime. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree. It was just that um, when I said to you, uh, I can't remember. No, I tweeted this out. I didn't say it to you. But um, there were moments that could have been cut. And a, oh, part of of my, a part of my brain couldn't help but go, I have no clue what purpose the entire college segment showed at the time. Obviously, as you say, in reality, you were getting two great character introductions for both the antagonist and the protagonist. But it did kind of feel like, I've been watching this film for an hour now, and the film now feels like it's just started. <laughs> and and, it, and it's, just, it, it's it's a different rhythm, and and it and not, not every Indian film does it as well as this one does. But because when you're watching, you're like, oh, is this necessary? Is this necessary? You don't realize to, uh, until the end when they finally come together how invested you are in what happens because you know these characters, you know the conflict. And by the end of it, you're like, you really want to, you really want to see them clash because you feel like you've spent real time with both of them. Yeah. And you know who they are. So when they conflict, when they, when they sit and talk at the end, which is a really subversive thing, like there's a moment where I'm skipping at the end where they're fighting. And at one point, the bad guy's like, he's all beaten on the ground. He's like, he's like breathing heavy. He's like, sit, sit, talk with me for a second. And then JD, BJ sits and talks with him for a moment. That has real weight because you know who these characters are, you know, you know what they believe in, you know, you, you have, you have a good understanding of them. And that only comes if you're willing to commit to the film and go along with it. 
it takes time to get used to that because we as Westerners aren't used to the kind of time commitment that these movies are. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I have no problem watching long films. I mean, I was one of the mad lads that watched the, the Zack Snyder Justice League in one sitting, all four hours of it. And I like long films in general. It was more the fact of, typically speaking, you don't get these sorts of introductions where the first hour is just two introductions. Like you said, having never seen an Indian film like this before, the the massive uh, musical number in the college... <laughs> And, you know, the, the, the completely like side story of introducing JD, of chasing down two people accused of sexual harassment who are trying to flee to Canada. That was great. And then yeah. it just suddenly is like, oh, now he's drunk on his sofa. And you're like, okay, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> it, it just, it's a really epic entity, but you brought something that we had, the other big thing we have to address about, about the culture shock of watching these movies. I have to know. What was going through your mind when that first big musical number happened? Well, uh, I kind of, I wasn't sure if there would be one in this film, because again, I, I don't, I've never seen it, but I knew that big musical numbers are a part of a lot of Indian films. Yeah. So I was, the thing that was going through my mind more than anything is when it came on, it was kind of part of the story that he would have this big song and dance and all the students like to party and get along with him. So I was enjoying it. Uh, yeah. It surprised me how much I enjoyed it because it's not the type of music I would go out of my way to listen to. But I, there are there is some Indian music that I do really like and I, I do have as part of my playlist. So it didn't surprise me that I, I liked it. I just surprised me how well it fitted with the film. Yeah. The The main thing I was trying to decide going through my head was is this something that's actually happening within the context of the film? As in, are all of these people actually singing and dancing? Or is this like, say, a Disney musical where they're only singing and dancing for the audience to get the point across? Because um, I feel like for several of the songs, it goes back and forth. Yes. Sometimes I feel like they're genuinely singing and dancing and everybody's actually doing this. And other times they're like looking dead at the camera and it feels like, no, no, this is just for you, the audience. We want to tell mm -hmm. you this story and get you this narrative across, but this isn't actually happening. This is, you know, this is all happening just for you. And that's one of the fascinating aspects of Master. Master does a really good job of integrating. It only ha almost say it only has three real musical numbers. It only has three like Busby Berkeley-like choreographed musical numbers in the film. And they're both, to me, very well integrated in, integrated in into the story. Like, 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 like the story doesn't stop just to have these people dance and play music and, and all of that. That's not always common in Masala films. A lot of times Masala films, when they do the musical numbers, it'll be like suddenly you're watching a music video about the characters. Like it'll, it'll, it'll look different. It'll feel different. It's like there's a music video about your action hero inserted into, into the movie. <laughs> that is jarring. And that takes, that takes, again, I, I use the term white people a lot, but it takes Westerners a lot to uh, get used to that. But that's a very stylistic thing in Indian film. And Master, again, because it's a good gateway film for, for, for Westerners, for, for, for guys like you and me, it kind of eases you into that. Like, uh, this is part of the story, but it's not really part of the story. And I, I would even say that it doesn't matter if it's actually happening or if it's all just like a, like, like a flowery interpretation of like a mood. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I, I agree. Because it is, it's both. It is sort of happening. It's not sort of happening. But it's just, it's meant to be 
it goes back to, to, to the party aspect of going to a film if you're Indian. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to tell you a little bit about the character, but it's meant to get you up and dancing. Because seeing a movie with Indian audiences is like seeing Spiderway No From Home No Way From Home in a packed theater full of comic book geeks on opening night. If you see a, a masala film with with a packed theater of Indian people on, on the opening night, when the music number happens, they will get up and dance. It is like a party, and it's a very cool experience if, if you're has to have that experience. I've only had it happen to me twice, and it is so weird as a as a as a as a non-Indian person being in the middle of that, seeing people like acting like they're at a rock concert in a movie theater. Yeah, I I don't think I would ever get that here because um again difference between the UK and the US. I've, I've said this in a in a previous podcast. Uh, we do have some like interaction with what's happening on the screen there, there are some places where you will get those big cinema reactions where people cheer and yell like say in spider-man but mm. for the most part most uk audiences you're in a cinema you're you're in for dead quiet um yeah. it's and still it's still very much thought of as going to the theater and yeah. you're there for serious theater this is a cinema experience there are other people around you will remain silent. You will laugh when it is appropriate, but otherwise there will be no sound whatsoever. And uh, it's not always like that. Uh, it does depend where you go. But and unless, like you say, opening night, you will tend to get the people that are going to be full of energy. But mm. even even the second day, you probably are back to the people that aren't going to react much, yeah. you know? And I think it's a spectrum, and I, and I think America is probably somewhere in the middle of that bell curve. If if, if the UK is, is is on the reserved end, I would say America is in the is in like the, almost the dead center, maybe a little bit more to the crazy side. But Indian movies, especially Indian hero movies, uh, with with their song and dance numbers and they're like they're like big fist pumping moments, are are literally like rock concerts. Yeah, People will like cheer when like the the hero comes out. They'll like. They like do standing ovations in a theater, you know, and the hero, and there's not an actor there, there's not a director there from the movie theater, but these people will literally do a standing ovation when like VJ comes onto the screen for the first time. They'll start hooting and hollering because VJ is on the screen. Yeah, it, it, they're just excited. It's like a raucous environment, and it's unlike anything you've ever seen. And if you can, if you can experience that once, it makes the musical numbers make more sense. Well, yeah, because the other thing is, although there might only be, a, uh, like you say, th three proper big choreographed musical numbers, yeah. music plays a big part in this film. The it amount does. of times that, again, it took me a minute to realize the songs that play in the background in a lot of sequences, they aren't just random songs. They are telling a story about mm -hmm. characters or the actors, because obviously one of the recurring songs that kept playing kept talking about uh, Thalapathy. And of course, Telepathy. I had no yeah. clue that that is another name for the main actor, you know, Vijay. So yeah. realizing that after the fact, I was like, oh, okay, those made yeah. more sense now. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to save us? The telepathy, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And I'm going to try to explain that to, again to, to all, all of our all, all of our Western listeners, because you hit on a very, very unique thing about Indian movie action hero culture. If you are a huge, huge action star in uh, India. Like I'm talking about like the biggest of the big, you are granted a hero nickname. And like the most famous one is a guy named Superstar Rajnikan. He's Superstar is his nickname. He's, he, people don't even call him by his full name anymore. He's just 
superstar. You say superstar in India, people know who you're talking about. Right. And VJ is one of those guys, and his is, 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 is telepathic, which in Tamil, the language of the film, because India, India has many different languages, Indeed. but in Tamil, it, it means commander. Ah, because, okay. Because, because in one movie, he played a military officer who was a commander, and it was his first big hit as an action star. So the, the only equivalent I can give it to you is imagine watching an, watching an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that's not the Terminator, but when he when but when he's sitting up like when he's putting on like his commando gear, there's a song talking about how the Terminator is going to kick your ass. Yeah, and it literally uses the word "the Terminator is coming for you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's what this. That's what that's what that's what that's like, and that is so unique to Indian cinema because it's it's there with all the all the big hero stars. They all have like these names that are referenced in the sound songs about them or in the films themselves based on like old movies they were in or really popular roles that just become part of their identity. It'd be like, if we always thought of again, Arnold as the Terminator, he just was the Terminator. I mean, to be fair, that's, that's not that different. I mean, that's the reason that uh, Will Smith was determined to make his breakout character's name, Will Smith, because then everybody would forever associate Will as Will rather than the name of the first character he played, which is what ends up happening for a lot of actors. I mean, it's true. It, it's it's kind of annoying in some ways because I think sometimes that we're kind of past that where people know the actors now and not the characters. And then all you got to do is spend five minutes on a message board or with a bunch of people that, like you say, aren't film guys. And they will be like, oh, you know, that that guy that was in that film. And that's fine. I don't mind that as much. But then you'll get the other people that are like, they refuse to call the actor anything else than the character that they like them as. And then they wonder why the actor gets pissy when people can't even learn their name, you know? I always, I always call that the Boyka principle. And then oh, not to, yeah, not that's to bring up Scott Atkins <laughs> yet again. But that is yeah. the most perfect example that I can think of. Is to, to like half the population of Europe, he's just Boyka. And that's very, that's very, very similar. But Indian movies did a very smart thing and just made that part of their marketing. Yeah, you know, like they they just fully embrace that. Like they're not ashamed. They, they, they don't run from it. They're not ashamed of it. Like like uh, VJ just like and all those guys, they just embrace that those nicknames and it becomes part of their branding. Because why not? You know, why not have that be part of your brand? I mean, if people love it and they respond to it, just lean into it. And, and Indian films are all about like like giving audiences what they want. They're they're at least the action films, the hero films, are meant to be crowd pleasers. Pure like crowd-pleasing films yeah you know well, i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with that i mean i'm sure you heard my lovely rant about film cinema with the spider-man episode where yeah. so many people were complaining that spider-man no way home killed cinema and it's like well i don't think i've said this on the show yet but uh, i've seen nightmare alley now and i promise you spider-man is not the reason that nightmare alley made no money yeah, I mean, that, that, it was never Nightmare Alley was never going to do really well going against Spider Man. Nightmare Alley was always a, a niche product for a niche audience. I've not, I've not yet seen it. I'm going to watch it because I'm a Del Toro guy. Um, as but, am I, and as that, is Jade, and neither one of us rated it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was always going to be a hard sell for people, always. And and we don't have movie star culture anymore here in America. Like I mean, that's one thing that maybe 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 if movie stars did more of the branding, we would still have movie star culture. But now, America is very much about IP and leaning into concepts and characters. And Indian films, to bring us back on task, have kind of blended the idea of IP and actor together 
in a positive way. So they still have massive movie stars. Like, like, uh, like I'm mentioning, I'm, I'm mentioning BJ, and I, I know all, all you got, like I would say, 90% of people are going to listen to this podcast that have no idea who BJ is. His name is called V I J A Y. Go look him up on Twitter. He's got like 4 million followers. Go, 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 go Google search his name. He gets millions of hits. The YouTube video hits for his stuff is insane. He's a massive movie star everywhere, but in English speaking countries. Yep. And, uh, Oh, I'm going to say something that's going to get up. Probably it may not come out quite right, but we'll do it, man. Now it's it, time for controversy. It's, it's early here. I, I I need to wake up. It's not that it's not controversial, but I do think that this is a problem that America has specifically, which is that he's not big in America. He's not big. What do you, yeah. who, who cares? He, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's kind of the attitude that I've seen a lot. And it's the same. Uh, I've had it with a couple of people that I talk to, in fact, where they start talking about something that's happening in America. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about, dude. And, yeah. the, and it's like, well, how can you not know? It's world news. And I'm like, no, it's American news. You are yeah. not the whole world. I hate yeah. to break it to you. And that's, and I think that's changed. I mean, luckily, I, th- I think at least from from a cinema perspective, because, and I talked about this, I I did a I did a write up of Master for Film Combat Syndicate, and I did use it as a little introduction to to Indian filmmaking. And one point I made in there was because these streaming services like Netflix and Amazon and Prime Video, and all these things need content. They need they need they constantly need new movies. They've had to reach out to these international markets and bring these films in just to have stuff to show. And to appeal to all these different fan bases. So now, Korean films, Chinese films, Japanese films, and yes, South Asian Indian films are getting more recognition on Netflix and Prime Video and all these other big streamers now because they're just readily available. So yeah. now, when someone asks me about, about Vijay or Rajnikan, I can go like, hey, you can watch this movie on Netflix. Here it is. And they can start to understand, oh yeah, this is a thing. It's like this. It's like it's like the Squid Game principle. People are now because of Squid Game. Squid Game realizing, I mean, and I'm, I'm not talking about guys like us. I'm talking about like like my mom and dad or Joe Average. So, or sorry, I, I wasn't chuckling because of that. I was literally waiting for you to finish so I could reference Squid Game, and then you already <laughs> did it. And I'm like, go for Wavelength, it. <laughs> wavelengths, my friend, wavelengths. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 caused what I, you know the, the myth of the average viewer to realize. Oh yeah. Korean or foreign entertainment, specifically Korean stuff, is really, really big. And they've now just suddenly realized that a lot of people who are watching Netflix and watching Prime Video are not watching movies with guys that look like you and me. They're watching movies that with guys who look like Don Lee and who look like, you know, Ico from, you know, from, 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 from The Raid or who look like VJ. When I was uh, watching this film, and and Bavani, you know, he he's he can punch. He he very yeah. much was just there to throw punches. And the first yeah. thought I had was, could we have a film, please, where him and Don Lee go up against each other? Because I yeah. swear, those two, they would be like, you know, King Kong versus Gorilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bavani is played by a character actor. His name is weirdly also VJ, but it's VJ Sasethipathy. But Vijay Sethipathy is like he's like a character actor. He plays a lot of heavies in films, but he's a good dramatic actor. But he gets to be he gets to be a big punchy boy in this movie, and it's it's a lot of fun. One of my favorite bits about the movie, just talking specifically about the movie itself, I love that he trains to be a big punchy boy 
by just repeatedly hitting a wall. That mm-hmm. is such an old school kung fu kind of badass sort of thing. Like I'm, I'm just gonna hit this wall repeatedly until my arm gets really, really strong, and then I can punch through like cinder blocks because of that. Well, it's the same as um, you know, he. So in the like we said in the very beginning of the film, he gets treated very poorly, and one of the things that happens is every day he gets beaten with a stick, but eventually he, he just gets so used to it that it stops bothering him, and he yeah. just starts taking it as like training. To the point yeah. that he basically can just take all of this beating and he doesn't even blink. So he's basically become numb to pain. And then yeah. he's punching a solid concrete wall and he's making, you know, dents in it because he doesn't feel anything. It's like he's just so used to being in pain that it's just caused him to bulk up. And, you know, he's got the calluses. He's got the pain relief. He's just he just doesn't care. He's just completely numb. You can see it in his face in every scene. His emotions yeah. and him are just so disconnected that he just doesn't care. Yeah, and it's that's such a great, that's such a great character. Like, like you, you mentioned before, I wanted to watch a movie about that character, and you could make a movie where Bavani is the hero, where it's like this cool, like revenge story about yep. him getting the guys who killed his parents. That's- and the scenes where, the scenes where he gets the guys who killed his parents, those things are awesome. Where he's like, "I'll give you two minutes, try yep. and kill me." That you know what? That's what I thought. Because again, although I had read the blurb for the film originally, when yeah. I sat down to watch it, I hadn't reread it. So my brain was going, oh, is that the, is that the film I'm watching? Hence my confusion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all of the stuff, again, about him getting revenge, about him yeah. uh, getting himself out of the situation he was in, getting out of poverty, getting out of the abusive home, and rescuing his mates originally you know he does free everybody else he does go back for them and i think that in the beginning of the film you could easily argue that he although he's a killer and although he does underhanded things the only other people you ever see him do bad things to are other bad people and they're not shy about telling and showing you that they're bad people so he doesn't actually get seen doing anything bad that's more cleverly done in that they kind of just give you little hints and then they show you much later on that actually no. Although, yes, he does go after bad people. The way he's been getting away with it is by screwing over good people and letting good kids take the fall and dying. And as we'll get into later on, something more direct happens that is like, oh, no, definitely not a good guy. Yeah. And like, I mean, to me, it's his physicality is so he's like. He's like a cinder block of a person. Like he, he's in actuality, Vijay is a very pudgy kind of normal looking guy. But the way he's filmed in the movie, he's like this. He's like he's like this like rock of a man. Like he just seems like immovable. And in the in the hero Vijay, um, he is like this like cool like kind of like acrobatic kind of smooth kind of rhythmic fighter and like this this kind of guy who's like almost always in motion like even yeah. when he's even when he's sleeping he's that kind of a rhythm to the way he moves so you like this this guy who's constantly kind of in silky motion and then you get his antagonist is like this immovable rock man and i find that visual contrast is very interesting yeah i mean um the, the uh, there's an easy reference point that i could say back to that is jet is the one where you've got two different people being played by the same person but one has a flowing uh, circular motion in the way he fights and that he tries to go around and avoid and you know not cause destruction and then you've got the other character who is a straightforward puncher and his whole style is to directly go forward never back never sideways you just 
take anything apart that gets in your way. And I think that can be applied to these two characters in complete perfection. Um, I also agree with you that um, uh, uh, Seth Apathy, his character is not the peak of physical fitness, but he makes that work for him. But I also really enjoy that because like you said, although in any wide shots, he's not the tallest, he's not the biggest, he is not even, he doesn't look in shape. But when it all kicks off, the fact that he is, like you say, this cinder block, this this rock that just will not move, makes him nigh on impossible for everybody else to deal with him. And I like that because so many films are terrified of showing anybody that isn't in shape can be a threat. And that is one thing that seems to be universal across so many different cultures. Sammo Hung being the obvious outlier, but he very much is one of a kind in that regards. Most films in general hate the idea of showing the guy that looks slightly out of shape or being very out of shape as being physically capable because it kind of goes against the message that, well, you know, if you don't look after yourself and you don't eat right and you're not healthy, well, then you can't do anything. Whereas in reality, go to any nightclub. Most bouncers are going to look more like Bavani than they will JD. It's it's true. They're 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 going to be like these kind of, these kind of like functional muscle guys who don't who don't look impressive but will wreck your shit. Mm. Um and that's that's very much the character and uh I really like that about I I really like how 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 much cuz to me action should inform character always. Good action should inform character. And one thing I love about Master and again I really do. I love this film. I think it's a modern classic. Um, I think that the action of the action design of both of both leads tells you a lot about who they are as characters, and that that's so rare in action films nowadays. All, all action films nowadays want to look like like how you know, fifteen years ago everything wanted to look like, or twenty years ago everything wanted to look like Hong Kong action. Now everything wants to look like John Wick, but no one feels unique anymore. Like yeah. you watch like the old guard, or like. Three five five or you know Deadpool even they all they all fight like pseudo John Wicks and no one has unique character based action anymore and that's just yeah. because that's the popular style and it's it's unfortunate. I, I also think though that some of that is the audience demands for the word realism to be in there somewhere. Um, I think that people in general these days. Um, and partly it's 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 been said before i'm not saying anything new but it's because of the rising popularity especially in america of the ufc and other mixed martial arts competitive scenes Mm -hmm. that people in general now understand or at least they think they understand how a real fight quote unquote goes so therefore anything that doesn't try and have that krav maga brazilian jiu-jitsu style to it people immediately go, ah, oh, well, that, that wouldn't happen. And it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's too far-fetched. And it's like, yeah, but you're watching a film. And secondly, the UFC is like boxing. It's regulated. It's not how a real yeah. fight would go anyway. So you're comparing apples to oranges. It's, it's, it's not applicable in reality. But because the films that cater to that expectation of what an audience thinks is realistic is what's making money. Like you say, everybody's trying to go down that route. And I remember someone oh, 10 years ago now, even pointing out like MMA stuff is boring to actually <laughs> film. Like there's nothing yeah. entertaining about watching two guys trying to out grapple each other. Some people, have, really. 
some people have found ways to do it. But again, Johnny Yin, for example. Well, yeah, but there's there's only so many different ways you can do that. Like yeah, there's, exactly. There's, there's no real variety to be had once it get once it goes to the ground. And even then, it does come back to that age old problem of what? So every single person that you meet on the streets happens to know martial arts, happens to know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, yeah. happens to be really good at grappling. <laughs> it's like, come on. Not everybody is going to know this stuff. No, you know? of course not. And I, I like the fact, like you said, that it didn't feel like I was watching the same sets of martial arts again and again and again. I will say as well, even though they did give JD a lot more acrobatic stuff, there was a couple of points where I really wasn't sure if he himself was a martial artist because some of his kicks, nope, they look a lot rougher than I'm used to. And the yeah. fact that you've just said no, I was like, I don't think he's really a martial artist. But then there was some oh, stuff. No. There was yeah. some stuff that he did. I was like, that looked really good. I don't yeah. know. So I'm like, oh, I, I liked that. The fact that it was more raw because it wasn't, you know, someone that's had everything vigorously trained yeah. into them in the choreography or in the training beforehand, whatever. It looked more realistic in inverted commas because of the fact that it was yeah. not perfect. Yeah, it's it's funny say that because that's actually a really common thing in Indian films is um is they is Indian films are very strongly influenced action design wise by Hong Kong film by classic Hong Kong films. They were very popular in India, like Jackie Chan and those kinds of movies. Those are very popular in their heyday in that country. So they learned kind of action design from those films, but martial arts is not big in that country. Except for except for a couple of outliers, like like Vijay Jawal, who's in you know the Commando films, and and uh, and Tiger Shroff, who's in the Baki films, there are, there aren't any real martial artists in Indian cinema. So what they've taken is they've taken that concept, that energy of Hong Kong filming, the way they film action sequences, and applied it to brawling, basically. Yeah, like it's about all about like open hand like slaps and like like haymakers and like. If they're just spinning kick, it'll be a sloppy spinning kick. Yeah, because, definitely. Because they're not martial arts trained, but 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 it has energy to it because it uses that kind of pacing and and the way of looking at uh shot placement as like you know classic Hong Kong films does, but without like rooting it in like a traditional like here's a martial arts form. No, you're just gonna backhand a motherfucker. <laughs> you know, but we're, we're, we're gonna shoot it like you're like you're doing Tai Chi. You know. Yes. Yeah. That that was definitely the impression that I got was that they were more focused on get, getting a decent punch in. The, the slaps I found comical because nine times out of ten it was done against opponents as either a sign of disrespect or the <laughs> fact that they were like yeah. they were too young to really be there because that was something else that, you know, there, there was very much this whole, uh, well, you know, the, the, he only really fought people that was older than him or the same age as him anyone younger than him he was like oh they're kids even if they clearly weren't kids you know yeah yeah the the jumping hand the, the jumping open hand slap is a power move in indian action cinema if you watch enough indian action cinema you'll get very used to watching the jumping open hand slap it is like the ultimate move of disrespect <laughs> in indian action films it's like getting hit with a drop kick in american movies you know getting hit with a drop kick is very disrespectful you know because yeah you know, it's just it's a, it's a way of mocking someone, really. Like, oh, I'm going to jump at you and fall down and then get back up. And that's how that's a weaker. You're not going to be able to tackle me to deal with it. The jumping open hand slap is like the ultimate, like, you are not a concern to me. 
you're, you're a punk. And it's a very popular move in Indian action movies. You'll see a lot of open hand slaps. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, I've seen a lot of open hand slaps from Don Lee. So if he ever wants to come in and, uh, you know, show people how it's done. <laughs> yeah, D D Don Lee would fit really well into an Indian film. He really would. He I would. mean, he's got the he's got the physicality. He's got he's got the style. Um, one thing I haven't really talked about is everything about these characters. So you mentioned when the character came out and, and all the all the other characters stood for them. One thing about that I love about Indian movies is they understand the uh, the concept of swagger. Yes, they know you have to make your characters look cool. Like they are very meticulously like staged, and they want everyone to look as like iconic as they possibly can at every possible moment. Yeah, when the when he when uh, Badavi was Badavi, that's not a character in this film. When Bhavani was being played by the child actor at the very beginning, yeah, I literally said out loud. That kid knows how to walk with swagger, and I don't yeah. use that word very often. But the way he carried himself was almost to the point that when um, uh, VJ started playing him as an adult, I was kind of like, "Ah, oh, you, you haven't quite got the walk down." Yeah. But then, yeah. obviously, uh, within a few minutes, he rectified that because yeah. you know he's older and he's changed. He's not trying to show the swagger anymore. He is the swagger. Yes. He doesn't need to. Uh, flaunt it everybody in the room everyone in the whole state knows you don't mess with him yeah you don't mess with bavani and uh and it's so much of it's all based around in that idea of swagger and just knowing how to pose and how to look but not make it look like you're posing yeah knowing how to frame the characters just right to make them look and i'm gonna use this word mythic indian indian action films are really concerned with the idea of myth making because they, they don't have superheroes they don't have like science fiction films really the, they believe that they, these kind of like like every man action films are kind of myths for the common man so they kind of have like this kind of like god-like quality to them like i mean because when vj and, and vj set the potty clash at the end it's like two titans clashing with each other yeah you know, it's like two like 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 almost like superheroes like a, like a supervillain and a superhero fighting at the end. Not that it's overly exaggerated, but just like the vibe of it is like this clash of like major characters, even though it's really just two Indian guys. One of them's wearing a skirt, you know what I mean? But, you know, you still <laughs> almost made you laugh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but there's two guys, but they're filmed in such a way and they're presented in such a way that they, that they feel like gods of cinema. And India is very good about making their actors feel mythic and larger than life. And that's one thing I find intoxicating about Indian cinema, because they still believe in the idea of larger than life. Yeah, um, it's, it's also the fact that both characters throughout the entire film never lose a confrontation. And they are shown to both be immovable objects and unstoppable force. But they also do a really good job of, like you say, because of the time you spend with both of them on their own separate storylines, you 100% understand that their ideologies are different, but they're both problem solvers. It isn't a case of one's highly intelligent and the other is just a dumb rock. They both have a lot of smarts and they're both very clever about what they do. If they weren't, they'd have come to blows much earlier in the film. I mean, Bhavani has one of my favorite bad guy speeches to another bad guy moment where he 
flat out tells the other guy, if you get mad every time an enemy comes your way, you know, you're wasting your time doing this because just charging in like an angry bull is a great way to just get yourself killed. And uh, that to me was a great moment of this character isn't going to go down just because JD gives himself a shave and cleaned up his axe. You're still going to actually have a big fight on your hands, but it's not the physical fight. It's the mental fight. How are you going to get to him? How are you going to get through his men? How are you going to get past that culture of belief that he's instilled in everybody that he is the one that should be in charge and going up against him is a death sentence. And JD, although they don't, they didn't lean on it the way I thought they might, they set up really early on that he is uniquely suited to it because what is the thing he has a PhD in? Oh, well, it's actually, you know, psychology and sociology. And that's actually what he was really good at. And he actually believes in everything pretty much that Bhavani doesn't believe in but wants to manipulate to his own end. And that helped, I think, for setting them up. He's pure where, where Bhavani is not. And that, that goes back to the idea of, of again, the mythic quality. Like, like, like Bhavani is seductive and powerful, but he's flawed. JD is righteous and, and prepared to, he's, 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 he's um, uniquely prepared to, to counteract the flaws in the villain. Yes. And, and you bring up a point I wanted to go back to and kind of focus on for a second. And I was going to seem like I'm going off on a tangent, but bear with me. One thing I find incredibly fascinating about this very fascinating film, like if you can't tell, I love the, the fuck out of this movie, um, <laughs> is that it's very socially minded. And so often in action films, the hero just conquers everything by, by beating it down or shooting it or blowing yeah. it up. And there are literally moments in this movie where where JD literally will, will talk his way out of a confrontation with one of the bad guys. And then the bad guy will be like, you're right. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. And sometimes they'll even join up with him. Like, oh, you, you seem like you care about me. I'm going to be your friend now because you give a crap about me. How often are any action films that we make in English speaking countries that thoughtful where a character can be like, look, I care about you. I want you to have a better life. Why are you hanging out with this? Like Batman's not talking to the Joker since being like, I can make your life better if you just put down your gun. But well, I would, I would say that that's because unlike well, I think Batman's probably a bad example, but <laughs> if, if we were to use like a generic action film, like say Commando, yeah, in that you've got a bunch of villains that are either paid mercenaries, so you, you know, you're not going to change their mind, or you've yeah. got politicized uh, soldiers that have been indoctrinated into their beliefs, probably from a very young age. What I think this film does really well is... It's a bunch of teenagers, young kids, and some adults who've also grown up this way, but they're not stupid. Most of the people that work for Bhavani do so because there's no other option. Yeah. Like, like he he owns everything. They they when they show you that he owns the local police, which actually explains how he's able to operate. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, anyone who has tried previously to stand in his way got run over by a truck uh so why (laughs) would you stand against him and i think that the very things that bhavani manipulates in people's you know their need to belong their desire for family he set them up to be in that 
position to be emotionally vulnerable to his manipulations and then he takes advantage of it but as you said jd is the opposite he actually wants people to reform he actually wants people to change and he genuinely believes that they can but they all need to come together and realize that Bhavani's only got this level of power because everybody's giving it to him if they yes. all actually just said no well what would he do about it the people that he would send to sort you out are the same people that are saying no yeah and that's that's a, that's a socially conscious and very thoughtful approach to it that is just that you don't see a lot and i find it so refreshing and kind of beautiful like there's a moment in the final fight scene and i know we're spoiling the holidays for people who haven't seen it i know that's gonna be everyone who's listening to this probably i hope you still watch it um well, there's a moment where... I, I, I say this at the start of every episode that if we're talking about a film, we're going to spoil it. So go, yeah. you know, it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, I know. It's, I always weird because these are such. I know most people haven't seen these. So I was just to kind of, you know, get over that talk of this. I know a lot of people haven't seen it. But there's a moment where 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 do you think JD's going to lose the final battle? Where he's beaten down, he's hurt, and he's it looks like he's almost done. And and Bavani's taunting him. And he's got all these kids around watching it. And the kids are rooting for JD at this point. So they start grabbing like knives and like like sticks. And they're gonna they're gonna basically lynch Bavani. They're gonna save JD. And JD goes, No, don't stop. The whole reason I'm doing this, and he's like spitting out blood and like that Hong Kong style. He's like, the whole reason I'm doing this is so you don't ever have to pick up a weapon again. You know? Mm-hmm. Choose to don't do that. Don't choose violence. And it sounds hokey when I'm saying it. But it works really well in the movie because you spent two and a half hours with this character and you see that he really believes that, that there can be better choices than violence. And it's how, how many movies would take a moment to say to try to like say that violence is and actually that's uh, again because action movies are all about power fantasies. They're basically, you know, might makes right fascist plays. But this movie makes a real point to say that doesn't really work. Violence can be a means to an end. But you're not going to make anything better that way. Yeah, I agree. It, it, he he goes out of his way to not use violence most of the time. Yeah. But he does also kind of, it's that old-fashioned discipline technique of people have to be kept in line, especially children. Yeah. But the way he does that, like earlier in the film, is to basically take his frustrations out on the other members of staff who... Yeah at that point are also corrupt, but he kind of cleans them up and that in turn terrifies the kids into actually listening to him because Mm -hmm. yeah, he won't touch them because you know, they're all kids, but they've never seen their teachers or the rest of the staff in the prison get, you know, smacked the shit out of for want of a better phrase. And uh, they're not doing anything back to him because they're also afraid of him. And it's like, okay, no, uh, th- this guy's crazy. Let's listen to him. <laughs> yeah. And again, again, to, to spoil the shit out of the end of the movie, at the end, when uh, JD defeats Bavani, Bavani tries to talk his way out of it. But again, Bavani's hurt children. He's he's actually calls the murder of children. So he, yes. he's not redeemable. No. And and JD realizes that. So JD JD kills him. He kills him in like the, he kills him in a very like Stallone Cobra-esque way and impels him on a meat hook. Yes, um, I liked that because a it gave you a nice callback to the scene we haven't talked about that we should probably talk about. Yes, but go also, ahead. But also, I like the fact that JD did think about it 
for the briefest of yeah. moments. And then when Bhavani was like, oh, I want to get into politics. And JD just sort of was like, can you imagine the devastation and the yeah. chaos that you would bring if you actually did? And Bhavani's like, yeah. yeah, man, that's why you should join me. And it's yeah. like, nah, man, it, you just fucked up. <laughs> but right, then in that moment, he paused. Remember where JD paused and kind of like was going to hear him out to hear if he could be re- he, he waited here if he could be redeemed. Because for a movie that's all about punching guys, this movie is so thoughtful. You know, it's a it's a thoughtful film about guys who hit each other really hard. It's it's the it's the biggest contradiction in the world. Mm. Um, but go ahead and talk about that scene that you referenced the, 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 that ir- that irredeemable uh, moment that brings us to where we know Bavani is truly a bad guy and a bastard. Well, I mean that this scene has so much more importance than that because it's also as we said earlier, JD spends the first half of this film as a f- almost functioning alcoholic. And uh, they a very they, cool alcoholic too, which is which is weird because they, they don't present it as any way bad. Like it just seems like fun. Like the worst thing happens to him is he falls asleep during class sometimes. Like he makes drinking look really cool. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it. It's, it's the oddest kind of approach to it. Well, I I think there's two reasons for that. One is that I think uh, having been friends with someone that was a functioning alcoholic, that is often how they are. Um, true. You you don't see the struggles that they go through you don't see the negatives you only ever see the positives and you know he they do it subtly like he can't shoot a bow and arrow even though he clearly can as they show later in the film and he can't he can't stay awake in any meaningful conversation to the point that he can't even with any certainty say whether or not he did or didn't agree to to do anything he's like oh did did i say that yeah it was after 6 p.m oh well then i might have said that and it's like that I really liked their portrayal of that. But the other reason is, let's be honest, this film was quite clearly sponsored by Jack Daniels. Um, <laughs> I, I have never yeah. seen so many Jack Daniels in bottles in my life in one place to be drunk by one person. Um, I mean, the scene after the one we're about to talk about where he throws away all of his Jack Daniels bottles, that must be like five grand worth of Jack Daniels he had in his apartment. Um yeah. It's a very I, big. It's a very big budget movie. We haven't brought that up yet, but the budget on this thing was obviously very, very high. Oh, I if if my uh, conversion calculation was correct, it was about eighteen million dollars. Yeah, and that's eighteen million dollars in India. Like that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yeah, the the, the dollars are in America, but yeah, I don't yeah. know what the the currency is to even attempt this pronunciation but yeah it's it's a lot of zeros for the indian currency yeah. i believe um, i believe it's crore is is there a word for for for, for million okay uh, well I, i'm still I'm not probably wrong it. I'm, I, I'm an ugly american what do i know mm-hmm. <laughs> well uh anyway so anyway essen- this scene essentially there are two boys that try to get jd's attention uh because they want his help but he doesn't he's too drunk is what it boils down to. He's asleep and he doesn't wake up. And later in the day, they try and ring him on a stolen phone and he doesn't answer it. So for a, a bit of a convoluted reason, they also have the phone number of uh, Charu, the, the woman character that we talked about earlier. So they try ringing her. And I, I, I didn't really get whether or not they actually got through to her or not. But she then tries ringing him as well, and he ignores all of them because his phone's on silent and he's, you know, drinking JD on the bed. I think he's passed out by this point. Unfortunately, he then gets woken up the following morning and gets taken into the school to discover that the two kids have been killed. 
And not only have they been killed, but they've been hung. So it, it was not a great death. Now, the audience also knows that they weren't technically just hung. They were... Mm, tortured's not the right word, but they Beaten. went through a very, very bad night. And yeah. Bhavani essentially came into the jail because they discovered that they had this phone and it was a stolen phone by the guy that allegedly run the prison, Das, who mm. worked for Bhavani. Now, Bhavani then does the same speech that he gives to all of the men that he killed, which is that he tells the oldest brother, who's still a kid, uh, that he he's like can, He's like uh, 10. It's the saddest yeah. thing. He's like, oh, you have two minutes to kill me. And if not, I'm going to kill you and your brother. And it's like he... There's, there's no way on the face of this earth that anyone is going to win that fight. He, like you say, he's like a ten-year-old. He tries, you know. Yeah. For, I, I give him credit. He does try, mostly to save his brother, but he keeps telling his younger brother to run, but he won't, obviously. And then uh, Bhavani uh, kills the older brother in, uh, in one of his big, powerful punches in a really devastating scene, and then you don't see what happens until the following morning, and you see them both hanging. And obviously, just to hammer home how like tragic this scene is, everybody blames JD because they think they can. Well, they think they've been told to think that uh, they committed suicide, and you know they're like, "Oh, well, we've never had this happen before, so clearly it's something you did. You did this to them. You know why have they got bruises on?" And he gets the blame for all of this, and it is just, oh, it is such an emotional scene, and. I, I don't obviously know much about the guy, VJ himself, because this is the first time I've ever seen the actor. But mm. up until this point, he just came across as like a, a normal actor. But yeah. when all of the scenes that followed where he has this realization that he could have prevented it, and then he obviously finds the letter that they slid into his pocket, and then he breaks down crying after he'd just done this big speech about he's so drunk he can't cry he can't sleep that's why he drinks which fits with being an alcoholic and then he just has this complete breakdown and it didn't actually get to me like that but which was surprising but i think it's just because lately i've watched so many films that have these big breakdown scenes i've kind of i'm on that wavelength now yeah, yeah. but i really thought that if i can see why he's such a big deal because yeah he gave he's, the most he's amazing well yeah. yes but he also gave a believable breakdown he didn't yes. oversell it which is the the problem i have with a lot of these sorts of scenes where people have these massive breakdowns and they scream and they yell and it's like it looks good on film but in that's not typically how people react 90 percent of people are more reserved like when you break down you don't want people to know about it and he's surrounded by other people that he doesn't know he doesn't you know he doesn't want yeah. to be there so the fact that he just kept it to himself and just kind of stopped functioning for a bit, I thought was perfect. Yeah, it's wonderful eye acting. It's very, it's very reserved and underplayed. And that's all. I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, but I hear from a lot of I hear from a lot of Western fans. Like it happened when we were talking about it on Twitter. A lot of Western fans will say negative things about about BJ for some reason. I've seen several movies. I don't understand the, the negative criticism he gets. I think he's a very charismatic, very talented actor. And there's a reason he's one of the biggest actors in, in all of India. Like, he's probably the, I would say, easily the second or third biggest star there. And that's a, and that, that's a huge accomplishment. But he's he's very good at uh, playing melodrama as if it's not melodrama. 
because these scenes are very melodramatic, but he plays it very real and very understated. And it's just, it works. It, it makes something that could be overwrought and ridiculous feel powerful. Yeah. Like I, I rewatched 90% of the movie this morning just to kind of refresh myself on it. And I was really struck by how well he under, how, how well he plays a character who's, who's very, very big and mythic. But when it comes time for it, he can still feel very raw and human. And it's, that's not always the case in Indian films, but I mean, but in the best ones, it is. And this is really a great example of how they can be both vulnerable yet larger than life. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. It makes perfect sense. I mean, going back to what you were saying about these being Indian superhero films, that's, that's exactly the thought I had watching it is he then basically, this is the catalyst for him to clean up his act and try yeah. to be the person he used to be and make a difference. And even before that had happened in the film, my brain was going, this is his uncle Ben moment. This yeah. is his with great power comes great responsibility. Like you have the power, you have the knowledge, you've got the degree and you came here and everybody else thought you were going to make a difference, but you just thought it was a way to, to waste three months until you could go back to your cushy job. And because you came with that thought, you missed the signs. Like, and, and you could even go further than that and say he didn't miss them. He ignored them because they kind of show him doing that in a couple sequences, even though they don't outright say it. Yeah. But. The fact that he then has to have that moment of guilt of going, yeah, although I didn't, I didn't cause this, maybe I could have prevented it and I chose not to. And it's like, that's the last time I'm going to make that mistake. And that kind of pushes him to do everything else. And again, it makes him a righteous force in the, in the rest of the movie. Like, like you're committed to whatever he's willing to do, like, as you know, is justified. And he becomes, he becomes a true, like, like again, a, 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 an everyman a superhero. Like he gets his, he gets his little like iconic weapon. He gets like his this brass bracelet he wears on his wrist that he he sort of slide into like a like a brass knuckle kind of thing to really wail on some of the tougher bad guys. So he gets like his iconic weapon, and he becomes like this like unstoppable like force of like social and physical justice that you know you're just kind of fist pumping along with him. Like yes, get those guys. They so deserve it. It's what I call the again the, you reference John Wick. It's like the John Wick principle. You see something so horrible and something that's so bad that you want to see rectified so much that you're just completely in his corner when, when it comes. Even though you like, even though Bavani's cool and Bavani's a really cool villain. He really is. I mean, he's charismatic. He's got badass lines. He's got the one punchy big boy power. Uh, yeah, but and, um, Bavani was cool up until this scene. Exactly. Now, now he's an asshole that everybody wants to see get wrecked. And and it doesn't even feel like it's that drastic of a turn. Like the movie is so masterfully written in that way. Like you don't even realize how quickly it changes. Like how much you just you suddenly shift and think, oh, he's the cool, like cool bad guy. To suddenly, oh, I want to see this guy get fucked up. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's it's so it's so seamlessly done, and it's it's really wonderful in that respect. Again, because of the I'm gonna go back to it again. Because of the extended runtime, you can have these sort of nuanced stories. Yeah, uh, I I also um, was was chuckling because obviously he was having his full, you know, he was falling apart in the prison cell. Um, I remember saying out loud, um, "I pity the person that they send to try and kill him." And then a few minutes later, a van shows up with like <laughs> a dozen or so people. 
And I just thought, yeah, I don't think you brought enough men, guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 an it's an action movie. There's going to be action, so it's always nice when those moments come on. You're like, oh yeah, because because you're, you're ready as an audience member to explode with him. Like you want to see him, you want to see him do something to make these guys pay. Yeah, and it it feels so justified, and but then it can still go back and where he, he can he can go from being like righteous and angry to being like I care about you, let me help you, and it's it feels organic. It doesn't feel jarring. Like I wrote in my original review of it, it's amazing that that this movie doesn't tear itself apart from tonal whiplash because it allows JD to be this destructive force of righteous anger, but still be a warm, loving person. And I, in, in the I, I uh, think go go ahead. I uh, well, it, it's just that I think for me, just because you yourself are capable of performing violent acts does not necessarily mean that you are a violent person. And I think that in this day and age, especially, people really, really try and make things too black and white. And you said it earlier, this has a long runtime and it has nuance. And I think most things in life have nuance. If everybody on the planet was a good guy or but but wasn't capable of actually standing up and fighting for what they believe it doesn't matter if you're a good guy you're still letting everybody else do all these evil things because you don't want to be like them to stop them and some films have tackled that before it's not a new thing but i think that jd works so perfectly because he is more than happy to go up and be on their level and demonstrate to them that no, actually you're not the biggest, baddest man in the playground. There are people out there that can put you in your place, but it's taken him a while to get there. But just because he shows them that, yeah, I can be just as mean and nasty as you, but you don't have to be this way. There is another path, but first you have to stop them so that then you can have a conversation with them and say, look, I get it. You're angry. Your life's been crap and you haven't had the best deal with life, but you're the only one that can change that. And you're you're just repeating the same cycle and expecting things to change and getting more angry about the fact that nothing's changing. That's something that I think society as a whole really struggles with, the idea that sometimes you have to put up a physical wall to stop someone before you can actually open up some dialogue to have a conversation. But this film does that really well. And isn't this isn't this cool that we can talk about this in, in a deep, thoughtful way? Again, about a movie that's basically about two guys hitting each other really hard. Yeah, but that's the thing. The film's really not about two guys hitting <laughs> yeah. each other really hard. I, I, I'm being silly, but you know what I mean. No, no, yeah. I, I do. But that's yeah, that's yeah. that's why I like it. That's why I like I like action films in general, because there are dumb films that are just about two people hitting each other. Um, but there are also a lot of films where two people hitting each other there's a lot more behind the punches. There's a lot more behind the characters. I like the fact that these two guys are basically two different philosophical points of view, having a conversation with a lot of blood and, you know, irritability at the same time. Yeah. It is, like you said, you know, there's so much social commentary going on here, but it's universal. It's an Indian film. There's a lot of stuff being said here that, I didn't necessarily agree with or thought was a bit old fashioned, but 90% of this is universal. It doesn't matter that it's an Indian film. Anyone can get these concepts. They're so understandable and relatable that there isn't really anything that could alienate you, at least from a point of view of the storytelling and where the characters want to be. 
there are some children in trouble that are having a really bad time and people aren't doing anything about it. So this guy's going to do it. And eventually that inspires everybody else to get off their ass and actually do it too. Some of them have already been trying in fairness. They just couldn't for whatever reason. But because one person lit the match, now an actual fire is starting to burn. And the, and those universal concepts you were talking about, but the fact that everyone can relate to it in some way, if they just take a moment and really look at what the movie's presenting to them, that, Scott, that, my friend, is why I recommended this movie to you. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> so now... It's it's again you've you've waded into you've waded into into the shallow end of the pool and you can see that the water's pretty nice and there's a whole world of of other movies out there to discover some of them are as good as this one some of them are better so there are a lot that are worse but there's a whole world to discover of movies of action cinema out there that it's all it's all fresh and new and that can be daunting or that can be exciting. But I'm very, I'm very pleased and I'm very touched. And I mean, sincerely, I'm touched that you wanted to to learn and to check this out and go into it with an open mind. Because as someone who's been into foreign film and international film, I shouldn't say foreign, international film, my entire adult life, it's so rare to find someone who wants to be open to experiencing new things. And it's nice to me that, that you came to me and said, hey, I want to watch this. I want to talk to this about this with you because so many people aren't willing to take a chance on it. And I hope people listen to your podcast, hear us talking about this so enthusiastically, so passionately, and realize that this is, again, I, I, I swear way too much on your show. I'm sorry. I don't swear on my own show, so I got to get it all out here. <laughs> it's fine. But, but, uh, but that this is a really good fucking movie. And sure, it's long. Sure, it's got musical numbers, and that's hard for some people to get over. But it's like that. It's like that. You know, it's like that subtitle line that everyone that every movie nerd quotes about. Oh, subtitles are are, are just a small barrier to get over films. So are a small thing to get over is the idea of musical numbers. A small thing to get over is the idea of long run times. If you can get over those two humps, if you can try to get past that, there's such a world of beautiful, interesting wild wacky thoughtful original ideas and all these different things that blend into this whole world of cinema that is completely to for is completely foreign to westerners like you and me hong kong movies when you first discover hong kong movies seem weird and foreign because i mean you know it's it's everything seems scary and, and and different when you're new at it but so many people are so daunted by indian films i don't know if it's the lack of english titles or if it's the musical numbers, or if it's the wrong one times, it's all those things. And some of it's some racism, let's be honest. There's there's a lot of unfortunate racism that still exists for Indian people, and that, that that's something that no one wants to talk about, but that's, that, that's a little bit of it. And people aren't willing to take a chance on these things, and they're really doing themselves a disservice. I'm not saying you have to watch, you know, 20 Indian movies a year, or or, you know, even one Indian movie a month. But go on Netflix, go on Prime Video, and look up an Indian film that has a title that has a concept that sounds cool to you. Look for a thumbnail that you think looks cool. Read the synopsis and take a chance on it. You may fall in love with it. You may discover a whole new world of cinema, or you may discover a movie like Master. 
a really great fucking movie. And I'm sorry, I'm ranting and rambling, but you thought I, no, I no, really no, care it, a lot about this stuff. It's fine. I, I I agree with everything you just said. Um, I I, I was just gonna say, like, for me, I think some of the problem is that you you were saying about the first time you watch a Hong Kong film that it's wacky and weird. Well, it wasn't wacky and weird for me because the first time I watched a Hong Kong film, I was a kid. I, as you can see in the background, I've said this before on the podcast, yeah. I'm surrounded by Power Rangers stuff because that's the age bracket I'm in. I was the right age for Mighty Morphin when it came out. However, being in the UK and my granddad and my, well, more, more so my granddad, I grew up watching Hong Kong films. And I don't mean the American versions that Jackie Chan did. I mean, the actual Hong Kong films. I still have those VHSs and we had them at the time when those films were relevant. And for me, all of that weirdness, I only really notice it now as an adult. I never noticed it as a kid, as a teenager. I've seen those Hong Kong films, especially the big ones, countless times because I grew up watching them. And yeah, they were dubbed. They weren't subtitled. Um, and obviously I've since rewatched them with subtitled. But to me, all of that was normal because I was yeah. exposed to it at a very young age. It didn't seem weird. It didn't seem out of place. I don't care about you know 20 flips in the air followed by a you know a roundhouse kick oh it's unrealistic no it's a hong kong film it's all good man but indian films i'd never seen one i'd never even heard that india had a film uh circuit you know it's it's one of those things that because the world has become more connected with the internet with social media suddenly you started hearing about all these other film markets that have already exist. South Asia, I feel like, gets neglected because for a lot of people, it just kind of appeared one day. And people don't realize that, like most films, it's been going for a long time. Whereas, you know, China, Japan, Korea, that whole circle, everybody kind of goes, oh yeah, that's Asia. They don't separate it between East Asia, South Asia, West Asia. They don't look at it and think, do these films, you know, where's the crossover? And yet a lot of Hong Kong films, especially Jackie Chan films, had, like you say, a big Indian market. And there's a lot of crossover where they set some of their films in India. Um, mm -hmm. Even some of the Chinese films do that. And I, for me, the handful of times that I looked at Indian films, they looked cheap and they looked so far behind the rest of the world when it came to effects and technology that I kind of didn't give them a chance. This I'm going back like 10, 15 years. And well, I, I don't mean to stop you for a second, but you're not necessarily wrong. But that's that's so much of what's, pro the wrong, what's wrong with our modern... And I'm going to go off on Randy, so please yeah, yeah, forgive for me. Um, that's so much what's wrong with our modern... The way we talk about films on social media, even in, in, with YouTube, people want to pick and choose what they show and uh and they wanna they wanna plot clips to, to make fun of or make funny little YouTube compilations. Like you can go you can go on um YouTube and search worst Bollywood fight scenes or worst Indian action sequences and find dozens of compilations of uh just terrible fight scenes. Because they're not looking at they're not looking at, they're not approaching it for what it's for what it is, which is a which is which is a film market and, and a film industry that's grown over time and gotten better over time and that'd be like a bunch of a bunch of indian film fans getting a bunch of roy rogers movies 
a bunch of old cowboy movies and calling them worst American gunfights in movies, you know? Yeah. It's all, it's all the same thing. Uh, it's just, you have to, you have to look at these things with an open heart and open mind. And sometimes it helps to have someone guide you. Yeah. And that's why I'm so, again, I'm so grateful to you to have me on here to be an advocate for this because it's hard to know where to start. Yeah. And I, and I will also add that, um, you're not the only person that really likes these films. Um, a few other people that have been on the show previously have also expressed their love. So I know that the, I think the, the mindset to this particular genre, uh, genre, to this particular like film market is changing in general. And I also think you, you brought up what I was just going to say, which is that the term Bollywood did not help. Um, because no. that, was such a derogatory term that makes it sound like the discount Hollywood when in yeah. reality that's not what these films are. No. And and Bollywood doesn't even encompass Indian the Indian movie film industry. Uh that's one thing we didn't even talk about was the regional aspect of the Indian film industry. I'm gonna give, give you a quick aside of that if you don't mind. Um uh, just cut me off you can just say shut up if I need me to. Uh, yeah. but uh the best way to okay, when we think of Hollywood, Hollywood is a monolith where there's Hollywood movies, period. India is not like that. India has many different languages in, 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 their, in their country. Basically, it'd be like, imagine if, you know, the people 30 miles away from you spoke a completely different language. And so basically, maybe they do. I don't know a great deal about the UK. I may just make myself sound like an ignorant American. But for me, the best way I can think to explain it is like, Imagine if someone here in Tennessee, where I live in Nashville, we had our, our completely different language than the people who live in New York or the people who live in California. That's what it's like. That's how that's how nuanced Indian language is. And because of that, it's caused Indian entertainment to have entertainment based around those languages. So that, that's caused little regional film scenes to pop up amongst all these different areas. So basically, where when you think of Hong Kong cinema, you think of ch basically Chinese cinema as like a big thing, like China. In India, it's actually it's actually a melting pot of several different smaller film industries. Like Bollywood is just one industry in India that makes movies. They're, they're like the big glossy like Hollywood productions, like the huge mega budgets, the really beautiful stars, like the wind blowing their hair. Those are the ones you constantly see referenced. That's the one they referenced in the Eternals, basically. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's that 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 scene with 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 uh Kingo, whatever that character's name was. That's very atypical of a Bollywood scene. But what what we watch now is what what Master is and what a lot of films are are from smaller are from other are from other regions of India. Like this one's from a place called Tamil Nadu, uh, and they speak Tamil in the movie. Tamil Nadu is like more of a rural southern state, kind of like where you and I are, but from southern parts of our perspective or our respective countries. This is from like a southern part of India where it's not as glitzy and glamorous, and it's more kind of grim and gritty, like Hong Kong. Yeah, and and Tamil is not called Bollywood. Tamil movies are called Kollywood with a K because the, the industry was born out of a neighborhood that began with the letter K. So there's Bollywood, Hollywood, and there's other ones too. There's ones that there's one that begins with a T for for Telugu movies, which is a whole other different region of India called and that's called Tollywood. 
and that's where like the Bahubali movies come from. And those have a different style themselves. Those have a different like like the whole like vibe themselves. But everyone wants to lump it in. It's all oh, those silly Indian movies where they do the dancing and the la la la's or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's all very different. Like this is not like I, I know this is not master was not what you thought a, a, an Indian movie was going to look like. I I, I know uh, you weren't expecting it to look like quite like it did. To, to be fair, I, I kind of went in not knowing what it was going to look like. So it, it wasn't that I had any predetermined expectations because uh, I'd seen obviously clips, uh, not clips. Um, I'd seen bits and pieces of the film, like when people had mentioned it before. So I knew it was going to look fairly modern. It wasn't like I was suddenly expecting it to break out into a, you know, giant elephant charging across a field of people, you know, in, in sandals. It was so I, I think it did kind of look like how I expected it too. But I know that there are much crazier films out there because I've seen clips, you know, where someone picks up a, a, a motorbike by the handle and just starts smashing <laughs> people across the face uh, with it. SS Raja Mughali, probably the biggest Indian director right now. Uh, you're talking about Rise. Uh, I'm, I'm going to script the name, but the, the, the title of the movie is uh, Three R's, basically R R R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, something that's, that's the one. Yeah. And at the scene where the guy throw basically basically baseball bat wheels a motorcycle, and that's part of Indian cinema too. It goes back to to myth making and larger than life. Again, superhero films, and yeah. sometimes they're more gritty and more more like more like peacemaker or batman sometimes they're more justice league and the director ss ss raja Muli does more of the justice league type of action where it's like really broad like like superhuman type action but again my mom then that feeds into my point is like bollywood is not a monolith hollywood in, in the same way that that how do you explain hollywood it's it is tarantino but it's also Spielberg, and it's also Adam McKay, and it's also the Pixar guys. Yeah. Hollywood's not a monolith. I mean, India is no more a monolith than Hollywood really is. Hollywood is a whole different bunch of styles. You can't pick out one movie and say that's a Hollywood. That's a that's a shining example of, of a Hollywood movie because what is a Hollywood movie? It's so many different things, and that's the same thing with Indian movies. It's it's a melting pot. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. Um... Uh, I, I don't I'm not going to go too much into into it because I, I know how it will sound. But um, I, I know a fair amount about India, the place anyway, because um, I work or I used to work because I've changed jobs since then. But I, I, I have worked in hospitals is the easiest way to umbrella term this. So a lot of the staff and a lot of the people are multicultural mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of my friends and people that i've known while i've been working in those places are indian they're pakistani and mm -hmm. we've spent uh you know it's so funny because we've had like I, I remember that this this was one of my favorite days where we had three people in a room all doctors they're all indian all of them speak three different languages not a single mm -hmm. one of them spoke the same language between them because they came from different places in india and they found that hysterical that you know they they speak 12 different languages between them and the only one that they can converse into each other is english <laughs> yeah and that's and that's and that's hard for us as again as and i keep wanting to use the term white people but i mean because I mean, it seems a little derogatory but because because we're because in a way westerners are culturally sheltered and it's hard for us to fathom sometimes that that languages can have that much nuance there can be 
that just because you're from a similar region doesn't necessarily mean you speak the same language. And you've had a better exposure to that living in the UK, where it's a smaller place and there's a little more cultural overlap. Here in America, that's a big problem. People don't quite fathom that. And so I've had to deal with a lot more closed-mindedness in trying to recommend films or talk to people about these things because America's just a lot more closed off to different cultural experiences. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that um, those problems don't exist over here by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that it would be very difficult to go anywhere in the UK and not be exposed to a different culture because a lot of the big cities, especially, there's always been an element of other cultures here going back decades, it, 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 possibly even over a century or two. I mean. You know, for, for not wanting to go on a history rant because, um, yeah, that's a very long conversation. But obviously, we've always had a lot of cross pollination with other countries. That's probably a good way of that's saying it. That's a very it. polite way to say it. Yes, yes, and um, very uh, British it, way to put it. it India, especially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where there are certain communities that exist in the big cities, and you know, I'm I've always been of the mindset that. I'm always happy to learn. I love new things. I, I like going and experiencing other people's points of view. That's why I try not to go rigid with my opinions and why I'm always happy to say I've changed my mind. If you, you know, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. I'll say an opinion on the show and then several episodes later, I'll say something that contradicts it. And it's like, well, I've spoken to different people since then. Yeah. I've watched other things since then. You know, just because this is how I think today next week something might change you know one of my best friends who does listen to this podcast um and she'll probably be very interested to hear this one um she you know anisha if it's if you're listening i know you will be because this is an indian film i'm talking about you know she she and i got to know each other when we were working at the hospital and you know getting to know someone that has a completely different religion and culture from yourself and then once you know them very well you start to see how other people treat them and the people that you used to think were good people and like they were welcoming and nice. Then you mm -hmm. start to pick up on things you didn't notice before the way they treat your new friends. And it's yes. like, mm, may, may, maybe, maybe they're not the best people that I thought they were. And I think that, like you said, if you watch films like this that aren't from your culture, that aren't from your home country, you're better prepared to deal with people that you're going to meet in the real world because not everybody yeah. thinks like you and not everybody looks like you and that's fine that's that's not a problem that's a good thing it's it is and that's that's one thing we're thinking why i think why i think working in a multicultural environment is very important like i work with a lot of people from india it's led to me trying to awkwardly talk to them about movies and then being like why is this white guy talking to me about you know action films it never really <laughs> went well but i tried uh but I, and I, I'm very lucky that Nashville has a large Indian population, so Indian movies play theatrically here. Like oh, I've nice. seen, I've seen several in the theater. That's why I can talk about the theater experience of seeing Indian films because I've I've been there, and it's it's fun to see the reactions of 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 Indian people walking into the theater and seeing me and or and my girlfriend at the time if I was with her, and then the being like, are these two white kids in the right place? And we're like, no, we're excited about the new VJ movie too, or we're excited about the new Prabhas movie too, or the new SS Raj Muli movie. And and they're so like happy about that. Like they're like, wow, these 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 crackers care about 
our thing and they want to ask us what we thought of the movie or did we understand the movie or, or what we thought about it. Like I remember my girlfriend telling me a story once we saw we saw a movie and afterwards she went to the bathroom to wash up and a, a, an Indian lady who was in the movie with us um, stopped my girlfriend and told her that the movie reminded her for, uh, the Indian lady said the movie reminded her of her childhood and she grew up in a place just like the main character and she just wanted to share that with this white person who she didn't think would get the cultural relevance of how much that mattered seeing herself represented on screen yeah so these people want so if you if you pop culture can unite us it really can and that's why i think it is important to try to if you if you're not lucky enough to be around people from other cultures consume their entertainment and i'm gonna i'm gonna say something very controversial here and forgive me try to just check out their entertainment but don't just watch what they make for their children i mean i i like cartoons i like i mean i i like animation but you don't just watch Japanese cartoons. I, or... I knew that's where that was headed. Like you're about to insult every anime fan on the planet, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> just, just, just. I mean, I'm saying, watch it. Watch a drama. Watch, watch a TV series with with uh with people, so you can get an idea of what their regular lives are about. Because it's not all like it's not. Because I mean, it'd be like an American person trying to figure out American culture from watching The Simpsons or spongebob or beavis and butthead it gives you a very stilted idea of what the world is so and i'm not saying that that's you know at least you're making an effort when you watch those things but try to watch like a drama a romance film an action movie and try to and try to learn about other things and just to start wherever you're comfortable like like my my taste tends to be action films like yours taste is action films so that's what i focus on when it comes to exploring other cultures but you can learn a lot about how to how to interact with other people from watching action films like i learned how to properly eat indian food from watching indian action films like i i had no idea how you're supposed to eat indian food i realized i was looking like a fool every time i went to an indian restaurant after i watched about 10 indian films like oh god they don't eat the way that i do when i when, I, when i'm eating biryani and naan and those kinds of things oh i should be doing this instead they must have thought i was an, un an uncultured like cracker so uh it helps you learn. It helps you learn how to just. It, it gives you. It gives you exposure to things. And again, I'm rambling. I, I don't have necessarily have a point. It's called tirade. But I'm just saying, it's good to be open to culture and try to be. And just don't be afraid to experiment and try these different films and try these different types of pop culture because that's how you learn about a culture is by consuming what they like to enjoy. Yeah, and uh, I have two things that I'm going to add to that, and then um, th then I'm going to take us back to the conversation about Master. Um, we have pretty much covered, I think, as much as we need to say about the film. I think we've been going for quite a while now. However, first and foremost, I'm going to defend anime a little bit here, <laughs> which is that, um, yes, they are mostly aimed at uh, children, but uh, A, what they give Japanese children is so much higher in terms of the intelligence level that they assume Japanese kids have. But sure. I think it is a good introduction if that's the only way you can get into it. However, saying uh, the whole of anime is for kids is like saying that the whole of Hollywood is only for adults. Anime isn't a genre. It's just a form of animation. And they have stuff that I would 100% guarantee you never want to see with kids. Um, that's a whole different conversation for sure. That, that is a whole different conversation. Um, but I, I could hear my girlfriend from the other room rising with seething with rage if she heard you say well, that. 
Well, just, just, just let her know that that this was just a just a soundbite on a podcast. Um, we can't go into all the nuance of the no, difference no, between. Um, we can't talk about the difference between grave of fire grave of fireflies, one punch man, Dragon Ball Z, and Euro Skidoshi, Legend of the Overfiend. We can't go into all the nuances of what those things mean on the spectrum of what is anime. You know, no, um, we'll we'll leave that to uh, our boy Mac over on All Star Anime whenever yeah. he launches that podcast. Love but- Mac to death, yeah, but I mean. But you know what I'm trying to say? Just Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I get it. I get it. It's just, um, then the other thing was, it's not even necessarily cultures that don't speak English, because I recently went and saw the film Belfast. Now, a lot of people, you know, when they think of the UK and they think of Ireland, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they probably don't really get how different we are. And it's the same when people look at the UK and the US and it's like, well, they can't be that different. We are. We're very, very different. And Ireland is no different. And I think that you need to see films like that every now and again, because Belfast was a brilliant film. It's 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 really just about this one family. And again, it's it's not really about the violence and what happened. It's there, obviously, but that wasn't that long ago. And people these days treat it like. That was hundreds of years ago. It wasn't there. Are, you know, my dad still remembers all of that. And, you know, people of his generation grew up in this country with all that stuff going on. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. And yet people treat it like it's ancient history. It's it's like, yeah, cool. it's, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off again. I, I'm so sorry. But it's like you mentioned your dad was alive for that. But it's like my parents were alive when schools were integrated in America. Like you know, when when they allowed when they allowed African when they when they, when they allowed African American black children to go to white schools here in America, that seems like ancient history to guys like you and me. My parents were alive and cognizant of what was going on when that happened. So again, again, it's important to to remember that yeah, this was not that long ago. And films about these things, like like Belfast, can can remind you of that these things happen so we can hopefully not have these violence or these horrible things continue to happen. Exactly. They're cautionary tales. They're, they can, they're cautionary tales. They can be inspirational tales, but mostly they're stories that help us understand each other. You, you like how I brought that back to, to the point? Yes. They're, they're stories that are meant to make us understand that are there to help us understand each other. And yes, that can be with anime. Yes. That can be with Indian fighting movies. Yes. It can be with, you know, Japanese horror films. Yes. It can be with anime. But it's all just about going into it with an open heart and an open mind and trying to learn. And the only th- and the only thing I wanted to bring back to, to Master is we we spent a lot of time talking about the two Vijays that uh, are leading this film, but the, I, we didn't really give much love to uh, Malavika uh, Mahanan who played Charu, and I really liked her character. At first, I thought she was just going to be a side character that didn't really have that much, but the the more she was in the film, the more I really liked her as an actress, the more I really appreciated what she brought to the film's story. And the one thing I really wanted to say is there is a point in the film where she is chased by some of uh, Bhavani's goons. And what I really liked about that, that just sort of made me smile is there's a point where a guy comes up to her. Now, in American films, this has kind of changed, but the, the overwhelming response would normally be to do nothing and get kidnapped or to scream and then get kidnapped. And I just love the fact that she just actually was like, no, and just pushes him out the way and he just falls over. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, 
and then she runs and it's like right is that so hard guys yeah. <laughs> like she's not a trained fighter she's not gonna you know suddenly beat them all up but she at least has the, the enough strength in her to be like no i'm gonna at least make this hard for you and yeah i won't go into how she doesn't get caught because that requires a bit more backstory but it was just the fact that she wasn't just there to be the damsel in distress or to be the you know the pretty girl for the guy uh, to fall in love with she actually had a bit more nuance and point in the story and whenever she had a bit of negativity to overcome herself she actually did that rather than just falling apart which is a trope that a lot of female characters fall into if they're not really there to be the main character i i agree and i think that's one way that the movie was trying to to speak to the female audience who would come to the film without doing your typical romance story like they decided they didn't want to do like your typical like you know indian romance subplot which is again a very common trope in masala films but they chose to instead take that energy to how do we appeal to our female audience. So they decided to make her a strong character. And I think that was one another thing that's very wonderful about this movie. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it worked as well, because although she was a very strong character, they didn't overcorrect and make her a one woman army. Like no. when yeah. when things went wrong, she reacted realistically and that she was scared and she was terrified. She managed to get out of it using you know her smarts, but she wasn't sat there the whole time, like safe in the knowledge that everything would always go her way. Because for all of the characters in this film, it doesn't always go their way. And that's true to life. Yeah, it's it's because, it, again, it is mythic and it is like their equivalent of superhero films. I keep harping on that. But. It also is born out of a culture that's dealt with a lot of hardship. You can see it in the way they approach life. Like it must be hard living in a in a more rural area of India. It seems like it, it seems like it could be very difficult. And I think I think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of fatalism or I don't want to say nihilism, but just they, they tend to take a realistic look at how life treats people. Yeah, and I, I think. They they save their romanticism. They save their romanticism for their for the main hero and villain. Everyone else gets to kind of be normal around them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And uh, with that, I, I I think we've dived into this one about as much as we're going to. We could easily keep going because it's a three hour film. There's a lot we could pull apart, but I think people get the general gist. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably uh, too long for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen ones go longer, especially with the Kung Fu ones. They seem to go for like three and a half hours and think that's normal. But uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, we should not. We're talking about Indian films. We should not be talking longer than the runtime of an Indian film. That, yes. that's, that to me is absurd. That, um, that was. No, I was just going to say that was the same mantra that Mike had when we were talking about Hydra, which is a very, very short film, that if we can make a podcast longer than the film, I think we're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very true. That's that's it's just a good podcasting philosophy. But I, but I, I want to go very casual for a moment and ask you honestly and answer me honestly, my friend, because I feel like you and I are friends, Scott. Are, yeah. Are, are are you going to try more Indian films? I mean, you can, you can say no. You won't offend me. Oh no, I'm um, I'm going to. I mean, I was always going to. It's just helpful now to have a baseline of people that seem to know more about this. Well, no. It's not hard to know more about this than me. This is the very first one I've watched. But what I mean is people that seem to have a genuine love for this type of film. You know, I I didn't I had a guiding light for 
martial art films in general, and that was my granddad. And in American films, it was my dad. But for so many other people, I've been the person that guides them. I've shown other people, especially friends of mine, these types of films, and they've loved them. But I don't have that for these types of films. I, I kind of do now, but there were already Indian films that I want to check out that, like you say, are on Netflix. And now I know that there's some on Amazon Prime as well, because again, our libraries are slightly different between the you know UK, the US, because of bullshit region locking that companies love to enforce on people for no reason whatsoever, other than because they want to make some money on licensing, which is a whole separate rant. But um, a lot of the stuff that other people as well as yourself have have recommended or tweeted about in the past i have found on netflix so there will be more indian films that i will be watching and i imagine that majority of them will be episodes on this podcast so yes well i certainly look forward to that uh i've got some ideas i can talk to you about off air that i think it might be fun we can do in the future i'm not trying to weasel my way back into an, to an immediate guest spot i know that's always a concern because everyone this is a hot ticket man i understand how lucky i am to be here uh seriously you know your 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 show's going great i i appreciate that and i and i keep saying this to everybody else because i i've heard i've heard a lot of different people that have been on this show say similar things and i i want to i've I've tweeted this out to almost everyone and i want to say this everybody listening to this show there's a good chance that they know who you are there's a good chance that they are fully aware of who the pope of action twitter is Hey, and uh, I, I, I just want to set the record straight. I've never really get to say this on the record. I did not give myself that title. I actively <laughs> rejected it. Uh, it wasn't until times at Times Square Kung Fu was like, no, motherfucker, you're the Pope. Own it. I'm like, fine. I'm I'm the fucking Pope of Action Twitter. <laughs> uh, but my point is, is that every single person that I invite onto this podcast has a unique voice. I spent a long time arguing with people when I was younger and I was a lot more, uh, shall we say, argumentative, I think is the nice way of putting it. Opinionated, I think is, is, is a fair comment as well. But my argument was, and, and this was about uh, writing and it, it applies to film discussion as well, is you can have a PhD in English. You, you can be the best writer on the planet you could come up with a hundred different ways of describing something and you can paint a brilliant mental picture in someone's mind that's great but if you don't have the imagination to create a story that people are actually interested in reading it doesn't matter how well you can write and the sad sort of sad truth is is that's true to audiences listening is 50 shades of gray would not have been in the top best-selling books and then the top grossing films if people really cared about how well you can write about how well you can act direct speak they care about whether or not the thing that you want to talk about the thing that you want to write about is something that interests them and every single person that's been on this show so far and every single person that will be on the show that hasn't been on yet uh they all have a unique voice that is only theirs. I don't care if they are world-renowned experts on the subject or if they're just somebody that really loves watching these films. It doesn't matter if they can articulate well or if it takes them a while of rambling to get there. The point is, is that nobody else on the planet can have the opinions that you have with the life experiences that you've had. 
The reason why I like having different guests on the show is every single show is different because you never know what that person's going to give you. I've changed my mind on films that I'm talking about whilst I've been talking about them because the other person changed my mind without knowing it while I was listening to them. And I suspect that is true of the people listening. That's why people like listening to it. And I think the reason why so many people are like, oh, you know, everybody else you've had on has been great, but mine is rubbish. It's like, no, because the other people said the same thing about your episode. Everybody likes listening to you guys because you're all good at this and you're all great at expressing how you feel. Don't like worry about it. You know, it's like everybody has their own unique point of view. Stop comparing yourself to them because they all like you too, you know? Yeah. It's it's just funny how that how it works. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I've 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 interviewed a lot of celebrities. You know, I try not not to name drop, but it happens. I, I've done a lot of things, and I still suffer from imposter syndrome. So so do you. So do most of the other people who've been on your show. So do most of the other other writers that we read. And what I always try to remind myself, and I tell this to other people who are who are struggling with writing or starting their starting their own podcast. Like I, I talked to a mutual friend of ours. He was going to be doing their own podcast. And they were like, you know, I worry about putting myself out there, Matt. I worry about doing this thing. And I, I say to them, you do it because your voice is unique and you have things to say. If anyone listens to you, that's a wonderful bonus. But you have thoughts and opinions that you want to share. And that's the best reason to do it. And especially if you have something that you love and you want to talk about, that you feel passionate about. That's the reason to do it. And it's okay to ramble. It's okay to ramble if you're impassioned about something. Uh, because you care. And I think that's one thing that's the greatest thing about this is this ethereal thing that we call action Twitter. Action Twitter is based around the idea of not just, it's not positivity for positivity's sake, because that's toxic. It's about upholding the things we love and saying, isn't this cool? Let, let me share it with you. You know, check out this shiny new cool thing I found, and I hope I hope you like it as much as I do. And if you have if you have people doing that, if you have shows like this who are holding up movies like Master, saying, "Isn't this cool? Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this unique?" I think you'll like it too. That just spreads the love and spreads and spreads new ideas and, and new things to people. People who are maybe afraid of again you know, of again dipping their toe in that water of Indian cinema, this monolith of Indian cinema that's really a melting pot. But they're, they're kind of hesitant. Maybe this will be their gateway to it. And that's my hope and my dream for this is that people will hear this and say, wow, Matt's really into that movie. Maybe I should check it out. Or Scott seemed to really like that movie. Maybe I should check it out. I don't know why they're so passionate about it, but it, it's got to have something in, in it. And I'm, I'm, I hope they will see it and the, it'll kind of work for them and they'll start their own journey and they'll be willing to take chances and they'll. They'll reach out to friends. They'll they'll reach out to blogs about Indian cinema. They'll reach out to guys like you and me and say, what should I watch next? I really like this. What do you recommend? Yeah. That's all I want. I want people to discover and love movies that I love because they've made my life better. Yeah. Conversations like this have made my life better. And Mm -hmm. I just want to share that with other people. Yeah, man. That's exactly it. Um, I I, I wasn't. So my my original point was that. it doesn't matter what people think of their own ability as if you talk and people are interested they will listen like let other people decide if they want to listen to you is what it boils down to and that leads me on to a bit of a a rant i had kind of been avoiding because i was actually in a really grumpy mood this morning because um 
I'm getting real sick of these people that drag on podcasts. And I'm going really off topic now, but I'm going to leave <laughs> this in um, because I saw somebody that used to be an actor and I'm definitely emphasizing the term used to be. And they were like, oh, you know, what's the point of podcasts? They're just like people running for president. They're just like, I'm an old white guy and I'm bored and I have opinions and people should listen to them. And it's like, no, that ain't at all what I'm doing. That ain't what anybody that I listen to does. It's not about me thinking that I have grand opinions and everybody should listen to them. It's about having a joy and a passion for a subject that I know other people share. And I don't have the ability to share it with people around me. But I know that there is an audience out there that does enjoy this. And I also agree with you that having these sorts of conversations are some of the best pastimes for a hobby that I could have. And I think that if it's done in an entertaining way, so do other people. And the fact that podcasting is a huge big thing suggests that I'm not alone in that thinking. And I don't know why so many people seem to love hating on podcasts because he, he isn't alone. I've, I've seen it a lot over Twitter recently, and it's usually from people that, uh, no, fuck it. I'm just going to say it. It's usually from people that are actors and need said podcasts later on to advertise whatever it is they're going to be in next. And suddenly they love podcasts, but when they don't have anything to promote, oh, I can't stand podcasts, man. And it's like, yeah, it's funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta remember that, that 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 my main thing is being an entertainment journalist. I'm a film critic, and I write about film. I know all about that. They love you when they need you to promote something. The minute that promotional tour is over with, and they won't return your phone calls, it happens a lot. And uh, it's just it's, it's unfortunate, but we don't do it for that. We do it because it's not it's not forcing opinions on other people. That's that's not what this is at all. That's not what film criticism is. And a lot of ways, to me, what it is in its purest form, and I don't know if you had this as a child in school, but did you have show and tell in school where you brought something from home? And you're uh, like, very briefly, this, yes. Yeah, here's this thing I like so much. To me, that's what this is for grownups. It's here's something that I love or something that I think is interesting or has value. Let me share it with you. That's yeah. all. That that's That's exactly what it is. It's... It's not, I have opinions and you should listen to me. It's look at these cool things that I think you will enjoy. And yes, it is my opinion. However, it isn't like we're sat there saying you must listen to us or something bad's going to happen. If you don't want to listen to us, don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because not, not, every, not everyone's going to be into like Spider-Man or not everyone's going to be into, you know, Japanese films about assassins who work in restaurants or not everyone's going to be into to punchy Indian movies with big punchy boys and like exactly. musical numbers. But exactly. there's something there for everyone. So just, just be open and spread the love and people who need that, who need that sense of community, who need to know that you need to know that it's out there and they're not alone can find it. Or maybe they'll discover something new that they love. And it just goes back to lifting up and I'm doing hand gestures though. You can't see me. I'm sorry. I talk <laughs> with my hands. Uh, it's about lifting up and saying, isn't this wonderful? You know, celebrate it with me if you want to. And again, to tie back together, that's how I feel about Master. Master is wonderful. Indian movies are wonderful. I, I encourage you to come celebrate them with me, please. I think you'll enjoy them. I'm not saying you have to, but I think if you choose to, 
you'll end up loving them as much as I do. There we go. What a what better way to end the show than with that thought? So with that said, I'm going to throw you over to the me of the present who is editing this and will tell you what we're going to be talking about next week and with whom and uh, if there's anything else that needs to be said. But something tells me uh, this has probably gone on long enough, so I imagine not. But either way, guys, uh, thank you very much once again to Matt for joining us and we will see you in the next episode. But until then, uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, you're very welcome, and thanks for having me. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at, at Wheels Critic. That's wheels like wheels on a car, followed by critic like I'm a film critic. Uh, <laughs> I, I am a Ronin. Uh, my sword is my shitty movie opinions. Hire me to write for your website. Hire me to do podcasts for you. I will talk about movies for you for money, or sometimes just for friendship, because I'm, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. Thanks <laughs> again, Scott. I, I had a blast. I love you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> no worries, man. All right, so there you go. That was our very long discussion on Master. And as I said, lots of information to absorb and lots of fun. As you can hear, Matthew is very passionate about these types of films. It, I imagine, is what talking to me must be like when I talk about tokusatsu or uh, old martial art films, of which he is also a big fan of, as he said. But... Uh, he will be back sooner than either one of us thought. Um, he won't be next week's guest, but he, yeah, you won't have to wait very long to hear him again because uh, we've already filmed another episode because he was kind enough to step in very late notice to fill some empty shoes. I really enjoyed this episode and I really hope that you guys did as well. Uh, if uh, I'm just going to say if, if Matt was one of the people that becomes a a recurring voice of a not-quite-weekly but semi-weekly basis, I would not mind. I really do enjoy talking to him, and he is full of information, almost to a fault, and I love hearing his points of view, and I loved the conversation that we had, and I'm very appreciative to him for recommending Master as one of the picks. I will likely check out the other films that was in that list, if I can remember what they were. And I know that my friend and previous guest, Shafi, has been looking forward to hearing this episode, so I hope you enjoyed it, man. And I'm looking forward to hearing everybody's thoughts about what I thought of this particular film and about this episode, because I know a lot of people were keen to hear my thoughts on Indian films, and, you know, this being the primer. So I don't know what's next for the Indian film market for me, but it definitely is not going to be an outlier. It's probably going to be a while before you hear another one, but, you know, I also didn't anticipate some of the other stuff that I've watched since this one, so maybe maybe it won't be as long a wait as I thought. Next week, though, we will be returning to the world of English-speaking films. However, this one is a European film, sort of, uh, in that it was not made in Hollywood, if memory serves, because... I'm recording this so far after the fact, I genuinely can't remember, but I don't think it was. Um, we're going to be talking Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which is a film that I loved when it released. I still loved when I rewatched it, and I have shown to several other people over the years, and I've yet to find someone that doesn't like it. Unfortunately, that film flopped, and 
I go into great detail in the episode about why I think that was, and the guest I will be joined with is Lindsay, who you will probably be familiar with from the Schlock and Awe podcast, and we have a great conversation about it, about the action, about the effects, the practical effects, and about the, quite frankly, A-list actors that the film has, and the fact that, as I say, it was a spectacular flop. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that one, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you very much once again to our guest, Matt, for you guys for listening, for getting into the action with me on the lovely show that is the Action Addicts Podcast, and I will see you all in the next one. On the Action Addicts Podcast!